All right, Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me, for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Oh, here we go. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. O oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. And Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 14. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. 
for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Thanks, Hugh. Come on. Uh, good morning. My name is Andrew Bruce Boots, and I'm very proud. I, uh, yeah, we kind of got a little bit ragged. This well, I feel I'm feeling a little bit like we got a little bit hassled uh, for my name. You know what Andrew means, don't you? Like, if you look at me, it's quite obvious. I think. Tall, close, Manuel. Being courageous, of course. Uh, of course. Um, Bruce actually means uh, woods, I think, and thicket. So, you know, my, my parents wanted me to strong, be strong, courageous and manly in the woods, in my boots. There we go. I only just thought of that this morning. Um, anyway, we are older here, but we're not old, are we? Stella, you know the difference? I don't know. Anyway, I was thinking the difference with, with Uni Church. Anyway, I'm being defensive. Let me pray as we get into it. Uh, Heavenly Father, it is a, a joy and a delight to come together and uh, to joke and to laugh. And Father, it is an absolute delight to hear from you. And uh, we pray that you would take away distractions, that you would help us understand what you'd have us take to heart. Uh, from this psalm this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think the last sentence of this psalm helps us to understand what we to get at. Uh, it says, have a look there, have your Bible open. Uh, verse 22, it says, Redeem Israel. Israel is just shorthand for God's people, O God, out of all his troubles. I think this psalm is wanting to help us know how and what to pray in times of trouble. We all experience times of trouble, don't we? Uh, you know, it might be times of trouble. Jesus, just finding it hard, uh, and it seems to bring on trouble. Uh, just this week, uh, last Sunday actually, there's a, a guy who's a nurse, uh, and he's just changed his, um, he's moved teams into end-of-life care, and the, the boss and the team is telling him that Part of his care is he has to offer them voluntary assisted dying. Now, that's a massive shift culturally in what we do, isn't it? And he, as a Christian, is asking, what do I do? It's, it, he's, he doesn't want to offer that, uh, but he, you know, what should he do in this time with his team uh, in his trouble? I mean, what do we pray for him, for this guy? Uh, it might be that you uh, work in a, you know, a job and you made a m m mistake. You know how sometimes we make those things? I'm joking, mistakes. You know, you stuff up, right? What is a Christian way to respond? Well, you kind of own up to it. You want to tell the truth, tell either your client or your boss or your work colleague, actually, that was me. I'm sorry. You own up to it. But that seems hard. It seems easy just to try to fend it off and blame someone else. It seems all sorts of trouble comes your way and life just seems harder for being a Christian, I take it. And it might be easier not to follow Jesus. Now, it might be that for being a Christian, but it just could be the normal disappointments and troubles that life brings on for us. You know, the difficult family relationship, the trouble, the difficulty, the hardship in trying to make financial ends meet, 
the tough job, the sickness, the, you know, the, the kids getting bullied at school, whatever it is. Uh, and it might not just be that's your experience, but you might be trying to care for someone in trouble. You know, you're trying to guide, support, help them. And often you just find yourself, I don't know what to pray for them. I don't know how to help or what I should be asking God for them. You know what I often do when it's times of trouble for me? My first prayer is, God, can you take this away? I don't know, is that you? Things are hard, things are hurting. God, can you just remove this? I, this, I think that's the, the right answer. Uh, and just remove the hardship. Take whatever it is away. Well, Psalm 25, I think it wants us to kind of rethink what we pray in times of troubles. And, and actually rethink, I take it, in what we desire most for ourselves and those around us. Uh, I don't know, as you read, as we read this psalm together, or if you read it during this week, I've really struggled to kind of get what this one means. It's kind of very psalmish, isn't it? Like it feels nice when you read it. I don't know if you felt that. Oh, that's a nice psalm, isn't it? You know, you read it and you think that's lovely, that's psalmish, but then you think, actually, what's it getting at? Why does he have it? What's God trying to do for it? And it's really challenged me this week. Uh, actually, it's an acrostic. Do we know what acrostics are. They're the, they're the um, poems that I love to write at school because it's the only ones I knew how to do. I just had to get my, the first letter right and then I could fill it in. Uh, the only one I could do. But, you know, acrostic, this one has 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet and each kind of word or line starts with the letter of the, the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, which is, you know, quite neat and tidy for us, isn't it? Because we all know Hebrew and we can help us in remembering what this psalm has to say. No? <laughs> um, but the odd thing is, is the last verse doesn't fit in with that nice acrostic structure. I, I take it that that's been when the whole... Remember last week we talked about the whole lot of the psalms being compiled together to tell a story? I take that's been added into the psalm from the person who compiled it so that it would give us the lens to read about this really personal prayer of King David uh, while he was in trouble. He wants us to learn what we can pray. It's like the ABCs of what to pray for when you're in trouble. The psalm is quite personal, isn't it? Because it is of David. Did you notice that at the, at the start in, in verse 1 there? It's, it's about King David. Now, King David, he was kind of the first really great king in the Old Testament. And we see how he wrestles with the trouble that he's in. And so it's personal for him. Here you go. There's a structure there for you. Um, I've, I've put that structure up. I don't think it's that neat. But what it does is you've kind of got the first seven verses are the personal prayers of King David. Uh, and then you've got which 8 to 15, which I think he kind of takes out of the personal and goes, uh, you know, third person. So he talks about truths that are foundational for everyone in trouble. And then he comes back to himself, uh, well, the prayers of the king in trouble. Now, it's, it doesn't quite fit that nice and neat, and I think that's the power of the psalm. Uh, but you get to see these themes interwine throughout. So what I hope to do this morning is to quickly run through it going to take us a while, we run through it, and then I just want to say something that really struck me and hit me as we applied at the end, okay? Okay, so let's have a look. The prayers of, king, of the king in trouble, verses 1 to 7. Have a look at verse 1. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. 
Oh, my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. See, the first in his trouble, King David, his go-to person here is his God. He's got a personal relationship with his God. Uh, I'm not sure who you go to when you find yourself in need and in trouble. Who's your go-to person? Uh, here's a picture of uh, our holiday in um, January. We went up the coast, coming back, and this is on the freeway. Our car broke down. Um, and you look at the truck, you know, anyway, we're kind of on the other side of the guardrail, but that was pretty frightening for me because the car just stopped, right? So we pulled over, car's going past. Can I tell you who I called? I called my older brother. He's just, he can fix anything. Uh, I didn't call my sister. Nothing against my sister, she's great, but I don't think she can help me in this trouble. Or my younger brother, or my dad. But you know the funny things, this is just a taree. Uh, I call him, and you know where he's staying? Taree. He literally just came over, pulled us to where he was staying, which had a hoist, and fixed it, then we drove home. Anyway, uh, he, he was my go-to person in times of trouble. But David here, right, in the midst of his trouble, he calls out to his God, because he is the one that he trusts. He is the one that he turns to. And he says, let me not be put to shame there in sentence two. This isn't kind of, you know, shame, the feeling embarrassed because you turned up in the wrong clothes to an event. No, I think this has to do with, like, shame in the sense of how the story ends. Uh, you know, if he's David's enemies defeat him, he will be shamed, he'll be seen to be in the wrong and kind of a disgraced loser. And he's asking God... Let the end of the story not end in my shame. Let me be vindicated. Uh, don't let my enemies win. Let me be triumphant. See, David is the king of God's people. And he had lots of enemies. And often, you know, from like, it didn't seem like he was that victorious king from Psalm 2. It actually seemed like he was a humiliated king. Uh, and as he's coming to terms with his situation, I think it's a real question for him. Is it going to end well or badly for me? Uh, David, I think, anticipates the greatest king of all time, our saviour Jesus. Uh, when at the end of his life, what happens? He heads towards the cross and the, the shame and the defeat. And he prays, don't let this end here. Don't let it end in shame for me or my people. For you and I, we're not... Kings, uh, well, I don't know if you're a king. I'm definitely not a king. Uh, we're not Jesus, but we don't have enemies like that. But we do have other enemies, I think. There's very real and present enemies that are against us. External enemies, Satan, the real supernatural evil that's against God and against his people. Uh, the world, the cultural uh, tide that we live in with its thoughts and ideas uh, uh, often opposed to God and opposed to Christ and his way of living and says what is, God says is what is good, they call it evil and what God says is evil, they call good. But also, I think we have enemies within, don't we? I don't know if your situation that you have this battle within uh, that's uh, pushing and enticing you to go the opposite path to what God would have you go. And you might be here asking the question that King David's asking. How is it going to end for me? What 
is the path and the way that we walk down going to end in shame. For David, he expresses his confidence. Have a look. He says, sentence, verse 3 there, he says, Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. See, David reflects on the truths and promises that those who wait, hope and pray to God, they will be the people who ultimately won't be put to shame. But the one who is wantonly, has anyone used that word? (laughs) Wantonly treacherous, you know, the one without cause, who goes against God, against God's king and against his people and his good standards. Well, David says, ultimately, that person, though they might appear to be winning, they in the end will be ashamed. That's the king's trouble he's in. And now have a look at what he prays. Verse 4, he says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me in your paths. Lead me in your truths and teach me. I don't know whether you think that's odd. He's, He's got enemies around him. He's fearful, not sure how it's going to end. And he prays, teach me to know you, to walk in your ways. If it was me, I'd be saying, God, I know you. Can you smite them? (laughs) Can you get rid of them? I I know you can do it. But the first thing he wants to do is to learn God's way, his path. Verse 4 and 5 is just saying the same thing, right? He wants to know God's way and to live in his truth and walk the path that God wants him to walk. Now, he's not talking about kind of that personal guidance that we often think, you know, who do I marry, which job do I take, where do I live when we ask for guidance. I think he's saying, God, I I want you to guide and lead me here. I want to live your way in this moment. I want to live in the way of truth, uh, the the blessed life from Psalm 1 that we reflected on last week. And he wants to know the scriptures and God deeply. It's interesting because David's at the end of his life here, he's older, uh, and he had walked with God for a long time and he'd studied God's scriptures, but he still wants to learn and grow. I don't, I don't think it necessarily means that he wants to kind of learn new truths. I mean, perhaps it always happens for us. But I think it's actually that he, he wants to know and actually wants help in living it out. Isn't that often the hardest thing as a Christian? You know and right and good, but he just wants help to actually live that out in his life he's like teach me lead me take me make me and he wants God to ensure it happens for him help me to live it out in this moment in every moment and then he continues after asking for to live in his way he continues and now he asks God to remember his love and mercy verse 6 remember your mercy O Lord and your steadfast love for they have been of old Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. You know the saying, uh, time will heal? You know, like, time will heal. It's okay. Uh, You know, the hurt, the pain, the trouble, eventually in time it will lead way. Well, apparently not for everything. Time doesn't heal everything. And actually for David, his sins of his youth just keep coming back to haunt him. Uh, You might be able to experience that yourself. Even though... You know Christ, you you know the forgiveness of your sins in him for every past, present and future. Often, all too often, there are sins from our past that come back to haunt us, aren't there? And you can hear the voice in your head. How can you 
call yourself a Christian? How can you be a follower of Jesus? How can, you know, I know what you said. You said that. You looked at that. You did that in that relationship. You did that to that person. All those voices come back and haunt us. It's, and instead for David, of listening to those voices, he prays according to God's character here and promises. Verse 7b says, According to your steadfast love, remember me, for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. See, time doesn't fix sin. Seeing a therapist won't fix it. Trying to better yourself up so you can try to remove your, your history and your past won't fix it. The only hope anyone has in this life and the next is to hope and trust in God's character and promise to forgive us. See, David, as he's in the mix of this trouble and despair, he prays two things there, I think, ultimately. He prays that he would walk God's way and that God would forgive him. He hasn't really reflected much on his enemies, has he, yet? Let's keep moving, because now he kind of moves from that personal, intense first-person reflection to the foundational truths of why he's praying these prayers. And he says, well, I'm praying this because God loves to lead the humble sinner. Verse 8, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. See, this is the God who knows, no, this, is, this is the God that David knows personally. He says he loves to instruct the humble sinner. He loves to lead and guide and protect the one who trusts him and walks in his ways. And David says he wants us to take God's promises seriously. It's, it's in the very essence and character of God and his goodness. It's, it's who he is. His, his way is love and faithfulness to those people. And even in the midst as he's reflecting on that truth of the one that God leads and guides, David can't help but reflect on himself, can he? Verse 11, he says, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. He says, I am a great sinner. My guilt is great. And he prays again for forgiveness and says, Lead me. I'm that person who is humble. I know my sin. I know I need help. I know I need guiding. And he says, lead me. Friends, it's hard to um, get guidance and leading if you don't think you need it, isn't it? Uh, you know, I've been the person that Mary's like, are you sure you know where you're going? No, I know where I'm going. Same with life with God. If you think you've got it covered, that person, God won't guide. It's the one who's humble. He comes to him and says, I need help. I need help in guiding. The second thing he keeps reflecting on there is why he's praying for guidance, is that God loves to instruct those who fear him in verses 12 to 15. He says, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him he will instruct in the way that he should choose. The person who fears God, God will instruct in the way. Uh, see, fear here, I take it, is not the kind of living in terror of an unknown, but actually it's the one who rightly lives in awe and respect of who God is. And that person, he says, 
God promises to instruct. He, he promises to show them the ways at which he is to walk. So this week, if you are a prey to God trusting in Jesus, please will you lead me to walk right, to make the right decisions? God will answer that prayer. He loves to answer that prayer. That's what he loves to do. And we get this assurance that it will end well for him in verse 13. He says, his soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. See, that's the promise from God that David reflected that, ah, it's going to end well for me. It meant inheriting the land. Uh, David certainly didn't live up to walk in God's way all the time, did he, as he reflects on his own sin. The other king, the great king Jesus, certainly did. And on appearance, it didn't look like it end well until he rose again. And for those who trust in the great king and those who fear him, the promise is that it will end well for us. Because verse 14, he says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. So if you have God on your side, this friendship is that he'll be there with you. He'll, it's kind of that image of coming alongside, walking with you, talking things through with you. It's interesting as you think about guidance, it isn't so much of you know, God guiding by giving everyone their personal individual map, uh, but it's actually that we don't get a map, we get the guide who takes us through. He, he lives alongside us. Uh, he instructs us, like the kids talk, as you're walking down the path, he helps us. And so this way to live this week, whether you're at work, at uni, at school, at home, with your family, uh, the, the goal is to ultimately work, walk with Jesus, with our eyes ever looking to the Lord, because verse 15, he is our only hope of release. Now, done this foundational truths about why he can pray this prayer, he then comes back to himself and reflects on his troubles, doesn't he? Verses 16 to 18, uh, you know, he says, Turn to me, for I'm gracious, I'm lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. They bring, bring me out of distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive me all my sins. See, David feels this. He's afflicted. He's got, he's, his heart's troubles are enlarging. Uh, and then, verses 19 and 20, we finally come back to his enemies. We haven't heard about them since verse 2, uh, but David ends where he began. Uh, verse He says, consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in me. David had numerous enemies. Jesus has numerous enemies. He's praying in the end, may it not be put to shame. Ending where it started. Let it end well for us, for me. And verse 21, there's a sense that if, if you live with integrity, you know, grace and have a genuine walk with God, and in uprightnesses, uh, you know, we behave to others as God wants us to continually be faithful in Him. That will be our protection. That will be our only hope. And that's the best we can do in this life. Now, I don't know if that helped you as we walk through it, but when I was working, going through it, I was like, why do we have this external problem? Then why does He focus so much on His personal sin and forgiveness in the context of enemies and shame? Why is he asking for guidance in this time? Why, why does he need guidance right now? I think it is because, as I reflected, it's because he's tempted to give up walking God's way. 
It's easy to go with the flow. It's easy to abandon God and his way and to, as you feel the pressure, the opposition, and to give in. And just like our New Testament reading, as Jesus kind of reflects on a similar truth, doesn't he? That there's a narrow path that leads to life and a wide way that leads to destruction. And Jesus says, the way that leads to life is hard. It won't be easy. But the truth is it ends well for that person. So I think that's why David is crying out for help, trying out for guidance to help him to keep walking God's way. And here's the thing that hit home for me. as we, The thing that David prays for is that he walks with God. The thing that he wants us to pray for is that we would walk with Jesus, our King, that we would walk his way and his paths and that we would live in the truth. And at its heart, it's about the one who is forgiven. Forgiven is in the past, living faithfully in the present and living with hope for the future. See, the most critical, important thing we can pray for ourselves and for anyone is that we walk right with God. See, what's the worst thing that can happen to us? It's not that we might suffer or we might feel hurt. The worst thing our enemies can do is they can take us away from God. They can entice us to sin. See, as I reflected, uh, reflecting on what, what is it that I fear most in this life? What is it that I want most for my kids? Is it no suffering, no pain, no hurt, not being rejected, no loss of opportunity? I mean, all those things are right. <laughs> and, you know, you'd be a weirdo to pray for them, for your kids. But the thing that David prays first and foremost is that above all else, he said, is to fear walking away from God, to fear living in sin, because the worst thing that can happen is to stray off God's path. You know, we, I often just think that, you know, I think about the guy that's the nurse, I think, oh, it's going to be hard. What, is he going to is he gonna lose his job and think, oh, that's a pretty bad thing to happen? Or you think about having to tell the truth and own up to mistakes. Actually, the worst thing that can happen to any of us is that we say yes to sin and walk away from God. Of course, we pray for God to take with the trouble. But the key thing we want to pray for ourselves and each other is that we stay with Jesus. So when I'm in trouble, I need to pray, Lord, show me your ways, teach me your paths, guide me your truths. And that's a prayer that God loves to answer. And God has told us what it means to walk in his path, hasn't he? You know, don't be angry with your kids, Andy. Work hard and honestly. Be faithful and loving to your wife. Be kind and truthful in what you say. Be generous with your time and money. Live uprightly and straightforward with people. Walking in God's way. I mean, it's a big prayer to pray for us, isn't it? It's a prayer that God loves to honour and that as we follow in the one who did it perfectly, Jesus, and that we trust in his forgiveness for when we get it wrong. But he loves to honour that prayer for us. So why don't I pray for it now? Our Heavenly Father, good and upright are you. Thank you that you love to lead. Thank you that you guide those who are following Jesus in truth and uprightness. And Father, we pray for those who are on our hearts.
who have heavy burdens in times of trouble, we pray that you'd be with them, that you would lead and teach them, and that they and all of us might be confident that in the end, if they continue to trust in Jesus, you will not be ashamed, for you love to forgive, and on that last day, you will be triumphal in Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, we-